0: Hello, everybody. This is Jason David Frank, the Green Ranger, and you are listening to the Ninja Starship. hello troopers and welcome to episode 37 of the ninja starship podcast as most of you may know by now there was no episode last week but i promise i am making up for it with this one we have comic con royalty on this episode ladies and gentlemen pure comic con royalty but before i tell you who it is let me tell you about our sponsor the falling down beer company in warren michigan are you guys sick of the same old beer tired of the same old same old all the time well you can enjoy the golden delicious freedom of the Falling Down Beer Company. They are fueling this episode with Ninja Chicken IPA. Whoop! This is absolutely delicious beer, and the official beer of the Ninja Starship Podcast. Well, it's not really, but I'm saying it right now. It's got Ninja in the name, and it tastes delicious. You can go to FallingDownBeerCompany.com and check out all the selections for yourself. There's other great beer, like the Angry Beaver, Five Go Army. They're so good. Mmm, beer. That Angry Beaver stuff is serious. And four announcements. Next Sunday, I will be live back in studio because this episode is a pre record. Because right now, as you're hearing this, I'm at C2E2 in Chicago. So next Sunday, I will be live and I will incorporate all of the juicy goodness I record or recorded actually by the time this airs on Podcast Detroit. So make sure you tune in and please call in next Sunday if you were at C2E2 or Lexington Comic and Toy Con and tell me how your experience was because. It was awesome for me, and let me tell you that I haven't even—you haven't even heard about C two E two, but I can guarantee you it was awesome. There's too many people that I'm going to be down there with for it not to be awesome. I'm talking Jay Clark from An Elegant Weapon. I'm talking Source Point Press writer Casey Pierce. Actually, everybody from Source Point Press, Comic Pros and Cons host Derek Becker, uh, the, my boys from the Top Rope Review, our other wrestling podcast, which is amazing, and the official home of the XICW Wrestling Foundation. We also have lots of great guests scheduled for April, and I will be at the Great Philadelphia Comic-Con with the Points of Interest Network April 22nd through the 24th. It's going to be a great show. There's Amy Joe Johnson is coming. I come on. Amy Joe Johnson, the Pink Ranger. That's all I'm even saying about it cuz there's going to be plenty more than I don't even want to spoil it yet. And then May 13th through the 15th at the Motor City Comic Con with Podcast Detroit, we are going to have a massive setup. Spoiler warning, we are going to be doing live broadcasts throughout the weekend, so make sure that you come say hi to me because it's going to be insane. Come say hi to me and other great podcast Detroit shows like the Top Rope Review, IT and the D. It's going to be very exciting. That's all I got for announcements. Let's get on with the show, shall we? Starship, engage. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1.
1: Ninja Star! What's up, Ranger fans? This is Steve Cardias, aka Rocky the Red Power Ranger.
0: Hey, this is Eugene Clark from George Romero's Land of the Dead. Hey, this is Jason Font from Power Rangers Time Force. Hi, this is Mike Zapsick from AMC's Comic Book Man. And this is Ming Chen, also from AMC's Comic Book Man. You are listening. And you're listening to the Ninja Starship Podcast with Jimmy McKnight, a favorite podcast. It has begun! Oh yeah! Woo!
1: I am awesome.
2: You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.
0: Welcome to the Ninja Starship. I am your host, Jimmy McKnight. The Lexington Comic and Toy Convention. What a phenomenal show. This place, it was two levels. Two whole levels. I drove myself down there from Detroit. It took about five hours. Wasn't bad. Uh, I also got to eat at a Waffle House all three days for breakfast, which was fantastic. I don't know. Like, see, in Detroit, we don't have Waffle House. We have we have Coney Island. Waffle House is like a smaller version of a Coney Island, but with that 50s you know feel where they're where they're shouting the you know the orders to you and or shouting the orders to the cooks and you know it, it's got a, especially in Kentucky it had a very southern hospitality vibe to it it was awesome uh the and Lexington by the way Lexington Kentucky is beautiful absolutely beautiful the city is amazing uh you know it comes from like Detroit has a very Different feel to it. It has a very, uh, almost Gotham feel to it. And if you're from here, you know what I'm talking about. And then you go to, to Lexington, you know, it's, a, it's a much lighter feel. There's, there's, it's just a, a different ambiance of a city, but I, I, you know, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, there was great parking as far, you know, I, I got there early, but I had great parking. There was all kinds of options. Uh, Really nice convention center and there was even a food court so you could get real food. They had subway. There was, it was just like a mall food court. You had your Chinese, you had your subway, you had, you know, uh, whatever you wanted basically, Uh, but it was real food. Real expensive food, but it beats the hell out of carnival chicken fries that you get at most cons. Uh, The staff was amazing. The Lexington Comic-Con staff was absolutely amazing. I was able to get in a little bit early because I had press passes. So I got to kind of walk around and see, you know, how everything was set up and, and, you know, do a little a little pre-merch shopping on what I was going to buy, which was awesome. Uh, I did get some awesome stuff. I got my uh, Blue Ranger comic signed by David Yost, Billy the Blue Ranger from uh, MMPR. I got my Black Belt magazine with JDF on the cover signed by JDF. And it was also the first time I finally met JDF. Uh, which was great. The guy was awesome. Really took the time to, to talk to all of his fans. The way that he set up his line and the you know, the time that he takes for each person is is awesome and it really says something about his character. So say what you want about the guy, but he knows what he's doing at cons. Um, I met so many great people that I, you know, I've been talking to online for the last couple months or, or like last six months, even. Uh, Jamie Greer, who's in charge of Lexington Comic Con, was amazing. Uh, Tabitha Minchu, great to finally meet you. If there was a female version of Zordon, Tabitha would fit that role. She takes care of most of the Rangers that attended Lexington Comic Con, and she, you know, she really made sure that even I was taken care of, and, and, you know, To get the content that I needed and you know for that I thank you Tabitha so shout out to you Uh, plus it was her birthday uh, that weekend which was awesome. Uh, I also got to meet Todd and Dave from the Basement Fodder podcast. Todd and Dave, uh, you can check out their uh, podcast Basement Fodder, and they also have the Todd Files. Uh, great dudes! You know, I, I really hope to uh, to pod with them in the future. We didn't really have time because, you know, Lexington was actually a very hectic con not not hectic, but popular. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I get there. And, you know, Friday was a decent day and Saturday was just insane. And I figured, you know, I'd get there Friday and and I I was like I said, I was walking around early. So I tried to set up my interviews early and, and set them up for for Sunday because everybody was still setting up at the time that I was walking around. So I had a lot of interviews set for Sunday. And Saturday was so ins- Like Friday was great. Don't get me wrong. And then Saturday really just hit it. It was it was insane the whole day. Uh, Sunday came. Of course, Saturday night everybody goes out partying. So Sunday I was a little bit hungover during uh, my couple of my interviews, but nonetheless it was great. Um, Friday I got to interview the legendary Neil Adams, uh, which was just life-changing literally life-changing at least for me as a podcaster um neil adams is sort of one of those uh you know unattainable guests neil adams of course responsible for so many iconic covers uh superman breaking out of the chain uh the 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 drug issue cover from dc of green lantern and green arrow where speedy is is getting ready to shoot up and and actually i'm looking at it right now uh on my wall and it's it's oh What's it, what's it say right here? It says, "You always have the answers, Green Arrow." Well, what do you have to say about this? And Green Arrow saying, "My word, Speedy is a junkie." I mean, this this was this was comic genius especially cover genius and you know yes it was still two green you know heroes green lantern green arrow might be stupid and you might hear him even say it's stupid but it still worked and people loved it uh i also got to speak to joel adams his son who was an animator on things like uh the incredible hulk and more notably king of the hill I know you guys know King of the Hill, an absolute monumental achievement of animation. And this man worked on it, so we get to talk to him, what it's like to be, you know, growing up as the son of Neil Adams. I also got to hang out with my podcast Detroit brothers, Mike Zapsik and Ming Chen from the Ming and Mike show on podcast Detroit. Great times all weekend. I actually line danced for the first time on Saturday night uh, in the hotel bar of the Campbell House where I stayed. Uh, let me tell you something. The Campbell house, that place was beautiful. Very Southern feel, you know, uh, big old horse statue when you're pulling up to it. But it was amazing. The Southern hospitality there, the, the guest service, it's just impeccable. They really know what they're doing. I had a nice big flat screen, huge comfy bed, cheap drinks at the bar. I mean, you couldn't ask for more than that. And yes, I did line dance. I said that. But, you know, what are you going to do? when in Rome. My first interview is with cosplay superstar Yaya Han. Yaya has an absolutely amazing story and I found out a lot about her that I really didn't know, especially never meeting her before, and only seeing you know her photos and a couple YouTube videos you know she is such a sweetheart really you know, took the time to 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 talk and give a good interview as a podcaster you can't ask for any more than the person that you're interviewing to really take the time and give you their attention and she's such a sweetheart amazingly talented you can see her work at yayahan.com she has done so many different characters and she gets them perfect they are awesome 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 cosplays uh, you know, instead of hearing me ramble on, troopers, I'm going to present to you cosplay superstar Yaya Han. I
3: was born in China, but then raised in Germany. Raised in Germany—that's yes. what
0: it is. Yes. Okay, okay. When did you make uh, the trip across the pond?
3: I was—I um, was still a teenager, mm-hmm. and it was certainly—it was certainly quite the experience, I'll say. But I—I I mean, I, I don't regret. I don't regret coming over to the States, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, honestly, I think, um, I'm so sorry. No, <laughs> you started off with a really serious question. Sorry. <laughs> uh, what I'm trying to say is, uh, truly I'm a first generation immigrant mm-hmm. and, um, it was definitely very difficult to jump through the legal hoops to even have the luxury and privilege mm-hmm. to work and live in the United States. Okay. And uh, for me, it's really, um, it's really important to to sort of highlight to people that get to know me that what what I do is not just luck or because I'm a girl or whatever. Right. And it's like, there's a lot of hard work involved behind the scenes that people probably will never know about. Right. Um, but I really encourage people to go for their dreams. Cause I, I basically came over to live the American dream. Right. And um, it is possible. It just could take you like 15 years, yeah. <laughs> but it's possible.
0: You've done this for so long now. Do you find yourself picking very challenging characters to cosplay, or have you kind of reached a point where you can pretty much handle anything?
3: No, absolutely not. I still have a lot that I want to learn. Uh, The technology is constantly evolving. Mm -hmm. There's just so much that is out there now that that used to not be possible, and uh, I really wish I could devote more time to learning new skills, Mm -hmm. you know, with um, uh, 3D printers and and even, like, that type of technology out now. You really can make just about anything. Like, Like, cosplayers could make costumes of the same movie quality that you see on the big screens and they do and they do exactly so um there's never a there's no ceiling for how much you can learn that being said i do feel very confident now like it took a long time but i I feel very comfortable and confident in my skills and i feel like it does give me a lot of freedom to choose different characters so so a lot of characters that i choose now will uh, depend on logistics so it's like if I can um, if I can maneuver within a convention it's like within driving distance then I can actually make a really big costume something really cumbersome but if I have to fly mm-hmm. across you know uh, the Atlantic then probably has to be something that fits into a suitcase right right yeah so so it's because uh, this is my job now so it's like you have to balance like what you like to make mm-hmm. uh, personally with what you have to make sort of, to be able to, to work work your job because like us being at behind booths and being on our feet and giving candles all day, mm-hmm. you really need to be wearing something comfortable.
0: Right? Yeah, it gets hot in here too. Oh yeah,
3: <laughs> certainly.
0: Um, I really love your Emma Frost that you did. that, oh, that was thank amazing. You. All the diamonds on that was that was amazing. Um, and you seem to be a big Marvel fan.
3: Yes, I am.
0: What do you think is a Marvel character that you most connect with personally?
3: Um, that is a great question because. There are there are so many Marvel characters, and they de- have so much development in their stories as well that it's very um, it's almost like I think with cosplay you sort of see you sort of see certain parts of a character that you connect with, mm-hmm. but uh, you may not be completely like. Uh, uh, you, you may not be completely like that character. So if I had to choose a Marvel character that I most connect with, it's probably it's probably Psylocke, mm-hmm. I'd say. yeah because she also went through quite the transformation, you yes. know even as far as like changing bodies, you know, like changing her uh, ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I somehow with being, you know having lived in so many different countries and cultures, I'm like I kind of identify with that.
0: What are your thoughts on this whole copyright and cosplay issue that's going on?
3: Um, I I think cosplay is um What is what is the word? It's uh it's it's we're translating. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not copying. Right. We are. We are interpreting. Right. And uh, so, I don't think that cosplayers will ever have to stop cosplaying, or we're not allowed to dress up unless we get a license from, you know, a big studio or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially because I have had so much experience with Marvel and DC and other um, houses that. Very, very supportive of cosplayers. Marvels just did the series of cosplay covers mm-hmm. for their special, you know, for their for their special edition comics. Mm-hmm. So obviously they support the cosplayers, just like you know, uh, Lucas used to actually sanction um, the the Five Hundred First and Rebel Legion doing events and such. Yes. And I think that that's what we need to remember: <laughs> yeah. is that we're fans first and foremost, and as long as we represent the characters well. And we show the creators that we're here to support them. We're here to, 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 you know, show them how much we love these characters. Then they will support us back. Like I really believe in that. You know, like all of this legal mumbo jumbo aside, uh, the creators will just want to protect their their property, like anybody would. But if someone is paying homage to it and they are, you know, doing free advertising for you. Uh, And then getting their friends into it because they're uh, dressed up in the costume and telling everybody about it like why would you not support it? And I think it's really evident. So so hopefully this uh, this won't be an issue that people have to worry about um, Except they should treat the characters that they cosplay with respect obviously.
0: Awesome. (laughs) I have one more question. I want to take you away from your fans Uh, What advice could you give someone interested in
2: cosplay?
3: I think You have to find a um, a reason for why you specifically want to cosplay. Uh, It's it's a foundation because it used to be before this became a industry that you could only cosplay if you were a big nerd and you wanted to. Like there was no reason besides just loving it. But now there are ulterior uh, reasons for getting into cosplay. You know, it is a potential career path. There's there are advantages to, or it's, it can be a stepping stone to other uh, ventures. So I think the pressure is there for for a lot of cosplayers to either you know stand out and um, or to to uh, get certain opportunities. And I think by doing that, sometimes they lose sight of why they want to do it. And it can burn you out really quickly. You really can lose sight of what it is that that, like, why you're even doing this. And so I always go back to my roots, like internally, like why, why am I doing this? what is the the foundation of of my cosplay Mm venture? so that's what i would suggest to everyone is really like don't do it for anybody else do it for yourself and you know take advantages of the resources available out there because you can learn so much you can make a badass costume as your first costume if you do enough research Mm
0: -hmm. awesome thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me i do appreciate it i love your work and uh, we'll see you again.
3: Thank you so much. Yeah, link me uh, when the interview goes live.
0: Wasn't that amazing? I mean, what what an inspirational story for anybody. I, you know, she, she was a first-generation immigrant who came over here and made something of herself. And not just made something of herself. She is one of the most famous cosplayers on the planet. Not even just in America. She has made her mark on this world and it was an absolute honor to speak to you yeah yeah thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me and I hope to see you at a con very soon my next interview Is with Joel Adams. Joel Adams was one of the animators on King of the Hill. He's also the son of legendary comic artist Neil Adams. But you know what? Joel has a very interesting story as well because he really cut his own path. He didn't tell people who his father was to get him in the door. He made sure that his work spoke for itself. And that's something as you know, anybody who creates something can really, really appreciate. You know, you always want you want to make it on your own merit. Merit when you're a creator or, or, or an artist or, or just a creative person, any, you know, at all, whatever you create, you want to make it on that. You don't want to make it on the coattails of anybody else because wh- where's the pride in that? You know, it, it, there, there is no pride in that. What Joel Adams did is, is something that many people really wouldn't do. A lot of people would take the easy way out, but Joel didn't. And you're going to hear that in this next interview. So ladies and gentlemen, Joel Adams. You've worked on a lot of really cool stuff. You've worked on Sherlock Holmes, Incredible Hulk, King of the Hill. Did you always know you were going to be an artist? I always knew I was going to be an
1: artist. I grew up in an art family. Mm -hmm. Uh, Neil Adams, legendary comic book artist, is my dad. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with it around me. I started out thinking I wanted to do comic books. Didn't really work out for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I moved out to uh, Los Angeles to help run a studio out there. And I fell into animation, and uh, animation worked out great for me. It was uh, really what I enjoyed doing. I found a lot of opportunities to be creative in doing it, so uh, animation is where I ended up. Right on. Did you find it easier or harder to make a name for yourself being the son of Neil Adams? You know, it's funny as I didn't walk around telling people who I was. Mm-hmm. I let my portfolio do the talking. Smart, and, yeah. And... Uh, and uh, you know, I was working on uh, King of the Hill, uh, six months into having worked on the production, the directing, uh, directing producer comes into my office and said, "You're who's kid?" <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I, I didn't really use my name because I didn't want that to open the doors for me, right? Uh, and eventually, people found out, and it didn't it didn't hurt or help me afterwards. But uh, it, uh, it more the experience is what helped me. Mm-hmm. You know, the experience of growing up around the arts, growing up in a studio, and all that. So.
0: How did, you, uh, how did you land the King of the Hill gig?
1: Most, most animation is the right place at the right time and being good. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't draw like Mike judge when I, when I came in, on board, but they saw that I knew how to draw. Mm-hmm. So they gave me, they asked me to do samples. I did samples. They were able to do it. But anime, getting, getting a job in animation, nice. like with most jobs, is having your resume on somebody's desk at the time they're looking for somebody. So I'd just gotten off of doing The Incredible Hulk. hmm and I started circulating myself, started sending resumes out there. And I, sure enough, I got a I got a call from Mike Wolf over at uh, Film Roman. Right on. And he said, hey, come in, uh, come and try this out. So I did. Almost didn't take the job because I didn't think that I wanted to draw like Mike Judge, but right. then they gave me the scripts, and they were so funny, I said oh, I yeah. had to be a part of Great this. Great show, man. Such it was an show. amazing show. Probably the best <laughs> written American <laughs> animated show ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What was, what was it kind of what was it like working for Mike judge was he was he tough to work for I never I mean I met met Mike maybe three times the whole time I worked on the show but uh, we always got notes from him and he uh. was very specific about what he wanted but at the same time he was very open to moving the style forward I mean we obviously weren't drawing beavis and butthead right but right we were drawing a style inspired by Beavis and butthead right so uh, he was very into moving the style forward and that's what we did when we did King of the hill we took we took his Beavis and Butthead look and uh, cleaned it up. I was gonna say,
0: yeah, it looked a lot cleaner than, than yeah. Beavis and Butthead did.
1: Yeah, we even there was a little bit there was a you know a little bit early on where some of the directors thought we were moving too far away from Mike Judge. Mm. But he sent notes back. No, no, that's I like this. Let's let's do it. Uh, are there any projects you're currently working on that you could talk about? Uh, the uh, I mean, lately I've been doing a lot of conventions. I'm at a convention just about every week of the month this year. Awesome, uh, but. Uh, I've, uh, I've got my own brand that I've been trying to push for the last couple of years called Lil's these big-headed girl drawings, and um, this year I'm thinking about getting a start on doing webisodes, mm-hmm. doing my own animation, doing webisodes uh, of some of them, just seeing how far I can push it, do my own thing. I kind of got a little sick of making money for other people. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> I designed one of the hottest animated shows on television, right. but I don't get royalties, I had a paycheck. So. Right. So, uh, I've designed licensing for the Power Rangers. I got my paycheck, you know. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, now I really want to do something that's my own, creator-owned, and uh,
0: see how far I can push it. I spoke with your father on uh, Friday about Batman v Superman, so now I want to ask you about Civil War. Uh, Where do you stand, Team Cap or Team Stark?
1: You know, I think I'm Team Cap. I was never an Iron Man guy. Iron Man just never made sense to me. Yeah. If you know, as a part of it has to think realistically, the Hulk punches Iron Man, the suit might survive, but you've got you know marmalade inside of it. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> unless he's got inertial dampeners built into the suit, it's you know, it's so uh, Iron Man never made sense to me. So I'm not a fan. Plus, Iron Man, you know, he's been that he's been that hit and miss character as far as is he. I mean, he's always done the good guy thing, but he's never been a good guy person.
0: Right. And you know, he's, he's a been war the, profiteer. Right. You know,
1: so... And Iron Man is... I mean, Captain America has always been the hero. His mm-hmm. thing was being the hero, so... Yeah, I for like the Captain sake of America. being good. Right. It's like with the X-Men. I, I don't like Wolverine. I like Cyclops. Yeah. Cyclops was the hero. Right. Wolverine was the thug. Right. So, I don't like... I don't... I mean... As much as I love Rob Liefeld, I don't like Deadpool. Right. can't stand Deadpool as a character. Really? He carries guns and he carries guns and blades. Yeah, heroes don't carry guns and blades. That's true. They're defending against the guys carrying
0: guns and blades. So that's
1: true. <laughs> so Deadpool's not a hero to me.
0: No, he say he even says it in the movie. I am not, I a, am hero. not a hero. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me. Uh, oh, could you cool. please uh, plug your social media and, and where people can find your work?
1: Uh, let's see. On uh, on Facebook, I am Angry Artist. On uh, on uh, Twitter, I am Lilzart. L i l z a r t. Uh, my website are joeladamsart.com and lils, L-I-L-Z, .net.
0: Joel Adams, ladies and gentlemen, what an awesome interview and such a cool guy on top of it. You know, I mean, you got to be cool if you're working on King of the Hill. King of the Hill was just such a absolutely monumental, just achievement in animation and not just from the people that made it, but to the viewers as well. You know, when you watched King of the Hill, the Bobby, I told you once, I told you twice, stop dancing with Ladybird or the, I sell propane and propane accessories. That's the best Hank Hill. I got, I can't do any better than that. What do you want? This is a free show anyway. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, the absolutely legendary Mr. Neil Adams will be talking to us on the Ninja Starship. Don't go anywhere.
3: He was like my father, my brother, cousin that visits all the
0: time. Ready?
1: Ready? Time for time. It's on my like Donkey Kong beer. How's it going, dude? world where podcasts are here one day and gone the next the people call on one man to bring them a show that would save the planet as we know it this is not that guy from podcast detroit and the points of interest podcast network comes a show that talks about power rangers the macho man randy savage movies and tv shows comic books and more Brought to you by the host with the most, Jimmy McKnight. The Ninja Starship with Jimmy McKnight is live 5 o'clock on Sundays on Podcast Detroit. Email the show, ninjastarpod, at gmail.com. Oh, yeah.
3: Hi, this is Ciara Hanna, the Yellow Super Megaforce Ranger, and you are listening to Ninja Starship.
0: And we're back, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Ninja Starship. My next and final interview is the great Neil Adams. Neil Adams is a man behind so many iconic comic book covers. Not only that, was a true ambassador for comic creator rights and is has a huge part in making sure that the creators of Superman Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster received their due pay towards the end of their lives. But regardless, they got it and it changed the game forever because back in the day, you didn't own what you created. If you worked for DC or Marvel and you created a character, they owned the character. Neil Adams played an instrumental role in making sure that creators got their pay, got their due, and with that has become an absolute legend and ambassador in the comic industry. So without further ado, I present to you the amazing, the legendary, mr neil adams i'm sitting here with comic legend mr neil adams how are you doing today sir
2: I'm doing just great preparing the booth and uh talking to vendors and uh and other artists that come by because it, kind of we're kind of a magnet over here yes yeah. folks, folks come by and uh, bullshit and, and uh, we're having a good time everybody's uh Everybody's happy. Yeah, this is like one of those like hey, happy convention.
0: It is. It's a gold mine. Some
2: conventions I know.
0: True, true. Now this is a great spot. You got you, Danny O'Neill. I mean, this is amazing.
2: That's right. Two and kings Bob, in one place. Bob Can't McLeod, beat that. Bob McLeod, Bob McLeod, absolutely. My son Joel, who is the uh, actually the designer of the first four years of King of the Hill. Oh, right on. He was a character designer for and shared an Emmy for it. That's and fantastic. Buzz over there that is probably the best comic book fan artist who also did Vampirella right at the beginning of uh, when it went to Harris Publishing. Yeah, yeah. right on. So he's uh, really quite good. Uh, and there's... Anyway, there's lots of guys here. Oh, yeah. Bob McLeod is right across from us. What's his name? Uh, uh, Mike Grell couldn't make it because he missed his plane. Oh, no. And... Uh, and um as sorry as I feel about that, uh, we managed to take his booth and put my art exhibition up in his booth. There you go. So it worked so out. He did me a big favor by there not coming. At. I just feel bad for the fans.
0: Being such an instrumental figure in comics and and doing such legendary covers of Superman and Batman, I've been really wanting to know what your opinion is on this new movie coming out at the end of the month, Batman v Superman. Where does a man like Neil Adams stand? Well, you have to
2: remember that the that that movie is based on Frank Miller's right. Batman and Superman so we have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen mm-hmm. but I'm sure they're going to change things for the movie because you know you don't want to make it the same Because, because and you can't, can't throw Green Arrow change. in there no unfortunately maybe uh, you can they just haven't announced them yet well, there's no, a million other superheroes but they got Wonder in Woman in there and I think that's pretty good <laughs> that's going to be they, fantastic they, they got some villains in there that we've seen yes somewhere. and uh, I mean I, th- I think it's going to be look at so far for DC comics it's been crappy mm-hmm as far as films are concerned, yes, and unf- and and for Marvel, it's been great. Mm-hmm. This could be the turning point. I think DC. it will be. I think it will be. And they did it kind of trying to pull, uh, uh, pull, it, save the last Superman movie that they screwed up incredibly badly mm-hmm. by oh, with the taking- giant kryptonite rock planet. Well, no, no, <laughs> that's not the last one. The last one was. Oh yeah, Man of Steel. My bad. Man yeah, Man of Steel, where. Um, I I could list the things that were wrong. First of all, uh, they reprise Zod and Superman kills him this time. Excuse Mm -hmm. me. In the first one, he didn't kill him. No, he doesn't. Well, if he doesn't kill him, why can't he not kill him here? Why does he suddenly less of a character? And excuse me, he's got one arm around his leg. Why doesn't he put his hand, one arm around his throat? Why doesn't he put his hand in front of his eyes Mm -hmm. and stop those beams from coming out? He has two hands. Do you think that Zod's powers would have gone through his his hand? Yeah, no, he's yeah. a he's a Kryptonian. But so is Zod. Look, I'm an Earth man. My, <laughs> the beams from my eyes are not going to go through your hand. Believe me, it's not going to happen. It's stupid. Okay. It's okay. stupid writing, and then killing killing Zod. Another bit of stupid writing. And oh, by the way, those beams coming out of his eyes mm-hmm. apparently were attached to a, a point in the back of his head, because his <laughs> eyes could only look in another direction. Yeah, if he had no head, ocular movement if at all. his head turned. <laughs> You couldn't, like, look over and kill those people, fry those people. What the hell was that? And early in the movie, they had uh, they had found, apparently, the people who made the film found the only dog on Earth that would stay in the car when the family left the car. That's true. That's what, true. Have that dog you ever been gone. That's right. Yeah. What happens, as I understand it, the car stops, the dog jumps out and runs around in a circle waiting for everybody to get out. Yeah, yeah. This dog stayed in the car. What the hell is that? And
0: then he lets his father die. He lets his father die. That's you have, some, that's You shitty. could have a
2: you could have a crappy dad. You would still <laughs> save his life. That's you so like, true. It, I mean, you and know, he's super speed. He could have done it. And, my dad's a drunk, but I'm not going to let him die. True, especially in that gonna, let, way. Of course, that's a terrifying, terrifying way. Terrifying way, and he could travel like a blur. So how is anybody going to spot him? Nobody's going exactly. to know. Exactly. Maybe he let his dad die because his dad was insane when he told him that maybe he should have let all those kids the yeah. die <laughs> just to save his identity. Right. That is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in a movie. Oh yeah, maybe you should have let him die. Yeah. Just to save your stupid identity. Really? I understand. Really, yeah. Dad. Yeah, all mean, the kids? You, Is it I, really worth? Are it? you my dad? Are you a dad model?
0: <laughs> Excuse
2: me. <laughs> you've been farming too long, Mr. Kent. <laughs> I think so. You've been, you've been out in the field just a little bit too long. So that movie, okay, an uh, incredibly stupid movie, yet very pretty. Mm-hmm. It also had uh, Lois Lane, who could imagine, who could apparently uh, fly an alien spaceship within about a half a minute. Right. Right.
0: She mastered it. Unbelievable. Yeah. Just,
2: Maybe I mean, she they, downloaded something from Drill. Have, they're <laughs> supposed to have guys in Area 51 that are trying to fly these flying saucers, and before they're halfway through, they burn up from radiation. Yeah. I'm just saying, chances are that wouldn't happen. It was stupid movie.
0: Well, what about the argument but, of he but, was a young Superman? That's why he no, made that's those that's
2: mistakes. A stupid that's stupid stupid, too? Okay.
0: Right. Really? <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: You can't be that young. Maybe it was three years old, you know. Right.
1: The other kids die, kid.
2: Oh, you think so, Dad? <laughs> I'll, next time I'll let them die. Right. To save my identity. What's an identity, Dad? Exactly. Stupid, stupid shit. From beginning. Why did they fight in Metropolis? Destroying all the, the buildings. Yeah. Yeah, but those buildings fell down and people died. Yeah. I mean, a corner goes off a building. Guess what happens? People <sighs> crash. Why didn't they fly in the Sahara Desert? Didn't they have uh, robots flying in the, in the Sahara Desert? In the, in the what was the robot movie? Transformers. Transformers. They yeah. went to the Sahara Desert. Yeah, that's knocked true. Knocked the head off the Sphinx. Who gives a shit? Right, I'm right. just saying. No people out there. Yeah, there's no people. They kill people. So now what they did was they hooked the new movie, which might have been a takeoff of Frank Miller's thing, to that movie where Bruce Wayne gets pissed off that he let so many people die. hmm See? And mm-hmm. so, like, oh, maybe... They, they like they just, listen to the fans. They listen to the fans. and, yeah. and paid attention. Uh, maybe uh, we'll make Batman pissed off for the same reason the fans are pissed off. Mm-hmm. Because Superman is stupid. <laughs> I'm just I'm saying. Just like, no, oh, yeah, it's fine. You know. Anyway, so that's... I call that a smart thought, you know? Mm-hmm. And and they seem to be doing smart things. Mm-hmm. So, I you know, I have very high hopes for DC Comics to, to do this. I'm always sad when they, you know, they throw a, a project in the crapper like the green arrow movie yeah and they don't use john stewart green lantern movie and they don't use john stewart true hal jordan yeah really excuse me and yeah. with that movie it's
0: like you know ryan reynolds did a, a decent job of playing hal he jordan but with, the
2: movie was just oh god it was all cgi it yeah was like all and his all c- come on now <laughs> <And> the outfit. <laughs> put on some clothes uh that was a sad. it was a sad movie because they just left out the good stuff and yeah. put in the bad stuff, and that was sad. And that you know, and when they announced that, they said, you know, they're going to be Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern, and all the kids in America went, "Who the hell is Hal Jordan?" This mm-hmm. is Green Lantern, John Stewart. Right, John Stewart. That's, That's the guy we watched on yeah. Saturday and Sunday in the yeah. cartoons. Yeah. Ten million people can't be wrong. Yep. Well, they lost 150 million dollars. Oh my God! 150. I can't even contemplate no. that number. Just no imagine Let alone
0: having it. Let alone losing it. Losing it. <laughs> so
2: obviously, they're, that they've taken a few years to you know discuss it, and now they've realized that probably they are going to make another one. Yeah. But of course, you got to know they're going to have John Stewart. Absolutely. Got to, got to have it. So they've made a lot of mistakes. Yeah, I, I think so. Made yeah, the, you you were talking about the the previous Superman movie where yeah. he's like as a bastard son. Yep. Excuse me, out of nowhere, Superman. Like... Really? And he's, uh, uh, you know, the whole base of the city is kryptonite. Hmm. And but that's going to be prime real estate. And he doesn't. <laughs> and he doesn't die. Excuse me. A little piece of kryptonite will turn Cripples him into jelly. And yeah. uh, you know he's surrounded by this stuff.
0: Walking uh, around.
2: Uh, unbelievable! <laughs> unbelievable! Worst stuff. Uh, I don't know, you know, it's, and this is the other thing that gets me is that in the last movie uh, they recycled Zod, mm-hmm. not Darkseid, right? An apocalypse or Brainiac, right? Or, what the hell is going on? Do you, you guys actually not read the comic books? Oh, that's it. Don't right, you're read movie the movie makers. Books. You're supposed to be working with a company that makes the comic books. Mm-hmm. Where's the disconnect? Mm-hmm. It's obviously all the way through, maybe until this last one. So right. maybe the the movie company is listening to D C Comics and doing what they do. If that's the case, we might have a winner. I think so too. I think we're gonna. Right on. I think we're gonna. What are
0: your what are your thoughts on how uh uh, the CW is, is going with with Flash, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, and oh, is great! Of, fantastic, fantastic! I isn't love it? the Flash, Arrow's, Arrow's pretty damn great. good as Arrow's well, fantastic. and Legends of Tomorrow with this whole timey wimey situation. And, and, yeah, Legends of great.
2: Tomorrow is 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 a, a, a very odd mix because time travel is always weird. Yes, but you know, I like the characters, I like the actors, players. I like what they're doing, mm-hmm. and if it, even if it, even if it bombs, in the end. We've had a great ride. We had a great fun. time. It was We've had fun. a fun ride. So I think that's all good. I mean, it's I, it, DC seems to get the TV. Marvel yeah. doesn't quite seem to get the TV. They're trying. Yeah. You know, the Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. is getting better. It is it's getting, getting better. better. It started off really in a tank.
0: Their Netflix stuff's doing
2: well. And the Netflix stuff is doing well. So uh, the, I, it seems as though the film people are getting it. Mm-hmm. It seems like the TV people are getting it. Finally. Mm-hmm. Finally. And all we, all we have to look forward to is more experimentation, more stuff. The thing that I like most about what uh, TV is doing is they're picking projects that are different from one another. So in Daredevil, it, Daredevil is not like uh, 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 a spandex superhero movie in right. any way. Okay, So they're making these each series different from the other series, just like comic books intend to be different but aren't necessarily quite different. So now you're getting a variety of these kinds of TV shows that really please the audience. Because the audience, you know, you can imagine hearing an audience member going, yeah, it's just like this show, or yeah, it's just like that show. Yeah, I know. I don't want three, you know, spandex superhero shows. They're all different. Right. And they're all made to be different so that you can go, yeah. Well, I like the really dark ones. Oh, I like a little bit more, you know. I don't know how, what, what's, what the deal with Supergirl is. Mm-hmm. I can't quite put my finger on it, but it seems like all the villains are the, come from the same pod. Yes. You know, I, you guys, they have to come up with some better villains and, and some better stuff. And I, and I don't know if they're going to make the turn on that. I, I would hate to think that they'll fail, mm-hmm. um, but I just think they're doing too many things wrong. That's the one one that I worry about. And it would be nice if they could turn that around.
0: Yeah, there's been, well, I, you know, I watch it, and there's certain episodes that really stand out. Like I did like the Red Tornado episode. That was decent, but but it's, it's a,
2: but it's again it's a Red Tornado character okay. taken out of what is it over 50 years of comic book? Yeah, Red yeah. Tornado existed way back when,
0: and pretty underused in the episode. Yeah, it had it had a big uh, third act, but that's about it. Thanks for listening, troopers, ninjas, and ninjets. Ninjastarpod.com is currently under a redesigning process, so just in case you've gone to the website and you've seen the GoDaddy thing, that's why. I'm having it redesigned. Uh, but please don't worry. You can always email the show at ninjastarpod.com or you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, or Periscope at ninjastarpod, all one word. You can get me on uh, facebook.com forward slash Jimmy McKnight 13 to watch live streaming video of the podcast or even Comic-Con coverage. Until next week, troopers, that's a show.